There was some problem this morning at uh, CM. We'll see whether this direct connection will work this time. So glad to uh, come to the English service to share with you God's word. This is a long passage that uh, we just read. Um, And I give uh, the sermon title called uh, Transformation, uh, Change, Change. I remember last time uh, Gary left me a note and I didn't get to read it. And I just brought the note down and was not sure what the note is, uh, what the note was. And then later on, when after I took home, and Gary said, "Hey, tell more jokes." So uh, I'm begin with a little story. There was a young woman, very beautiful, and later on she got married, have kids, raise a family. And later on, the kids grow up, and uh, they got married, and they have kids. This woman was beautiful looking, and as you can guess, after so many years, and she doesn't look as good as what she was before. And not only that, she began to uh, develop having arthritis and uh, this kind of pain, headache, a st- stomachache, a muscle cramp, and so on and so forth. And uh, she was uh, complaining and you know and praying to God, hey, God, can you take those pain away? One night, all of a sudden, she felt totally painless. She said, "Wow, God answer my prayer." And then she turned around, and she saw somebody dressed in white. Oh, that must be Jesus. So she was happy to see Jesus, but on the other hand, she wasn't sure she is alive or is she in heaven. And then right at that moment, she woke up. It was a, a dream. And after she woke up, she felt pain all over her body. But instead of complaining, she said, pain is good because without pain, I know I'm dead. I'm with Christ, but I'm not ready yet. So she would rather have pain than to be painless. And that's what sometimes doctors tell us. Hey, you are getting old. What do you think? The only way to be without pain is after you die. So change is what we have to go through. And in 2 Corinthians, this passage, we read three sections and three transformations, three changes from harassment that Paul experienced to comfort and from sorrow among the Corinthians to salvation and then from injury, injuring other to receiving, being hospitable to other people. I guess you need to use this if you want to direct it. Uh, can we directly connect to my laptop? Maybe not, huh? Okay. And give us just a moment to work out the uh, glitches here. 
Actually, uh, Derek came early and was hoping to meet up with uh, Pastor King Fai, but he was surrounded by a great throng of witnesses over in the chapel. So we couldn't pull him free until just now. So give us a couple minutes, we'll figure it out. Well, in the meantime, I'll just continue to advance, but if you can switch it so that the control is up here, then it will be easier. And I would add that this is neither incompetence on Pastor King Fai's part, because he's quite technologically competent. If it were me, you would know why the problem had occurred. <laughs> I'll blame it on you anyway, so. <laughs> All right. So, um, verses 5 to 7, from harassment to comfort, Paul said, when, for when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflict on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now, if you have to understand this passage, you have to know a little bit of the background. Second Corinthians is a kind of a personal letter between Paul and the Corinthians. There was a lot of struggle, misunderstanding. And in fact, Paul went there himself one time to deal with uh, the problem, but he went back to Ephesus, heartbroken, because he was totally rejected by the Corinthians. If we go back to Second Corinthians chapter 2, which is actually chapter 7 is a continuation of chapter 2, Paul said, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Now these are the four cities mentioned. So Paul was doing his third missionary journey, he was mostly in Ephesus, and he traveled to Corinth, tried to settle the matter, and then he couldn't, so he went back to Ephesus because of the needs there, and instead he sent Titus with a letter, hopefully to clarify all the issues. So Titus went there, and then Paul made an agreement with Titus that Paul will come back to meet uh, that Titus will come back to meet Paul in Troas. So that's when, chapter 2, Paul went up to Troas, hoping to see Titus and also find out what's going on in Corinth. But when we went up to Troas, he couldn't find Titus there. And of course, at that time, there is no cell phone, no internet. And so he waited, he waited. Winter was coming. And by the time winter comes, ships cannot travel. And so he said, maybe Titus was stuck. If I don't go there to meet him, I have no chance of seeing him. He was so worried about the Corinthians. So he left Troas and then went to Macedonia. But when he went to Macedonia, Titus was not there either. So that's the background of chapter 7. And so Paul said, we were in Macedonia, we had no rest, we were harassed every turn. 
from outwardly, from without, there's conflict inwardly, and there is fear. Finally, Titus arrived. And from that, Paul derived his comfort. And not only verse 7, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. So, Titus brought the good news. He was well received by the Corinthians. And then the Corinthians had a big turnaround, and they longed for Paul, have deep sorrow for Paul, and deep concern for him as well. So, what brought that change? Now, obviously, that change has to come from God himself. But God often works through agents. And from what we know, Paul has two two very good followers, uh, Titus and also Timothy. We, We hear much more from Timothy, and we preach much more often from the book of Timothy and seldom from Titus. In fact, it's the other way around. Titus is a more mature more gifted pastor, God's messenger. Whereas Timothy is very timid, shy. And so Paul had to write a letter to him to encourage him more often. So this time Paul sent Titus to go to settle the matter, and he picked the right person. Titus had all the skill to deal with it, and through Titus, the Corinthian had a big change around, and Paul experienced from harassment to comfort. This reminds me of a woman named Ashley Smith. I don't know how many of you still remember. Nine years ago, when she went back to her own apartment, she found a thief there. And in fact, this thief is no ordinary thief, Brian Nichols. He was wanted list. He was on the wanted list, and he killed several people. So, Brian Nichols tied down Ashley on her chair, and Ashley was trying to talk him out, etc., etc. And finally, Ashley said, "Hey, allow me to get a book. I can read you something." And Brian let him let her go to pick a book, and then she took out the purpose-driven life, and then day number 33, and then she started reading. We serve God by serving others. The world defines greatness in terms of power, possessions, prestige, and possession. If you can demand service from others, then you have arrived. In our self-serving culture, with its me-first mentality, acting like a servant is not a popular concept. After she read it, Brian was so intrigued and asked her to reread it second time and third time. And Brian had a kind of soft spot in his heart right at that moment. And Ashley said, hey, it's time for me to go pick up my daughter from church, Awana. And Brian let her go, and she escaped, and finally Brian was arrested. Twists and turns. 
But what brought on this particular change? I think it's because of Ashley using her wits and also using this particular book, Purpose Driven Life. And then as she read it out, Brian himself was changed. From harassment to comfort. Paul experienced that because of Titus. Of course, through God. Of course, because of God, but it was through Titus that it came about. The second transformation is from sorrow to salvation. And Paul said, even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did it, though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurts you. But only for a little while. Yet I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended. And so were not harmed in any way by us. So when Paul wrote that letter, it was very strong worded. He wasn't sure how it would be received. And there was a moment Paul actually regretted writing it. But after he got news from Titus, he did not regret it any more. And so Paul said that my letter might have hurt you a little while, but now I'm really happy because your sorrow had led to repentance. In fact, the repentance continues and godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leave no regret. Paul make a distinction between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow instead bring about death. Let's look at the uh, godly sorrow. This is a poem by Robert Browning Hamilton. He said, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and never a word said she. But all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. So from Robert Browning Hamilton's experience, pleasure was good, but it didn't change him much at all. He didn't learn anything, but it was through sorrow that he learned so much, even though sorrow didn't say a word to him. So it is often through sorrow that transformation come about, and godly sorrow bring about repentance, change of heart, and then salvation for the Corinthians. For deep inside, the Corinthians had the foundation of knowing God. When Paul brought to their attention things that they have done wrong, they turn around. But what is worldly sorrow? William Barclay 
commenting on this passage, he said, a worldly sorrow is not really sorrow at all in one sense, but it is not sorrow for its sin or for the hurt it may have caused others. It is only resentment that it has been found out. So someone has done something wrong and was caught and felt sorrow, felt distress, felt sorry about it. It's not sorry about what he or she had done wrong, sorry about being caught. If it got a chance to do the same thing again and thought it could escape the consequences, it would do it. So earthly or worldly sorrow bring us to damnation, but godly sorrow bring us closer to God and salvation. Now, what distinction between the two I think it all depends on how we receive the sorrow itself. I may add to this worldly sorrow, one time Mark Twain Mark Twain has a very famous saying, when one has tasted watermelon, he knows what the angels eat. He loves watermelon. One time, Mark Twain was giving a speech, and maybe semi-jokingly he said, referring to a time he walked down the street, he saw someone selling watermelon. When the person was looking away and uh, doing some other business, he went there and he took a watermelon and took it home. And he looked at it, he said, I shouldn't have done that. The next thing he did was he took the watermelon back and the owner is still talking and not paying attention. He put a watermelon down and, and took a bigger one and a nicer one home. <laughs> so he had regret, but his, his regret perhaps is like earthly sorrow that Paul talked about. He didn't get caught. He wanted to have a bigger one, a nicer one. I'm pretty sure Mark Twain has enough money to buy a dozen watermelon. He was probably just joking when he said that. The third transformation, from injuring to receiving. Paul said, so even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the injured party, but rather that before God you could see for yourself how devoted to us you are. Oftentimes when we are slighted, we want to get even, or when we heard about injustice, we want to say something about the one who did wrong, or to help the injured party. But Paul was not concerned about them, at least not in that letter, Paul was rather that before God, the Corinthians could see for yourself, for themselves, how devoted to Paul they were. So again, Paul see that inside the Corinthians, they had that love for him, and he wanted to revive that love. So instead of addressing the problem or dealing with the, uh, bringing up the injured party or the one who did wrong, he tried to revive 
that love or that devotion. Paul continued to say that I had boasted to him, to Titus, about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. So Paul only said good words regarding the Corinthians to Titus. And of course, Titus probably knew about the whole situation, but Paul emphasized the good things. Verse 16, I'm glad I have complete confidence in you. So what brought about this third change? Through the agent of Paul himself, by saying encouraging words, boasting about the good thing within the, among the Corinthians. There was a family who just moved to a new town, and as they're settling in, they need to buy some groceries, so they went to a grocery store just down the street. It was a very nice grocery store. A lot of choices, nicely put. Except one thing is the owner of the grocery shop, they were rather rude, impolite. And so she wanted to tell them something, but they, she didn't know what to say. So she went back home, and the next day her neighbor stopped by and said, Hey, welcome, and how do you like our neighborhood? And she said, Oh, we really love this area. And, and that grocery store, I like it. But the owners, they were rude, impolite, and I don't know what to say to them. And the neighbor said, Let me deal with it. And so a week later, when the neighbor met this uh, uh, wife again, and then, and then she said, Oh, I went to the grocery store. And they were extremely polite and nice to me. What did you tell them? And the neighbor said, oh, I told them everything you told me, that you, know, you like their selections, the store was clean, etc., etc. Did you tell them that uh, you know, their manner has some problem, that's why they changed? The neighbor said, oh no, I didn't tell them that part. I just say that you are very pleased with the grocery store. You just move into town. And because of all the good words the neighbor put, tell the, uh, tell the owner about, you know, the, the praises that the uh, new family said about the store, the store owner had good impression of her and started changing their attitude. So sometimes harsh, harsh words may not change people, but good words, encouragements may. How many of you recognize this person? I'll give you a hint. His first name is Scott. Well, Scott uh, is an artist. He likes to draw cartoons, but he was not able to get into the field. One time, 20 years ago, he watched a TV program, PBS, and there was somebody telling about how difficult it is to get into the funny business. 
But then he also explained, you know, all the ins and outs. And so Scott wrote to Jack Cassidy. He said, yeah, you explained well. I'll send you my, you know, uh, drawings. Maybe you can tell me a little bit more how I can get into the field. And Jack wrote him back and suggested him something that he can do. And uh, Scott tried. He submitted to one place, got rejected, submitted to another place, got rejected. And so after several tries, he gave up and he put away his drawing stuff and forget about it. A year and a half later, he received a letter from Jack again. Jack said, I was reviewing my funny business mail file when I again ran across your letter and copies of your cartoons. I remember answering your letter, meaning that I haven't received your response. But anyway, the reason I'm dropping you this note is to again encourage you to submit your ideas to various publications. I hope you have already done so and are on the road to making a few bucks and and having some fun too. He continued in his letter, Sometimes encouragement in the funny business of graphic humor is hard to come by. That's why I'm encouraging you to hang in there and keep drawing. I wish you lots of luck, sales, and good drawing. Sincerely, Jack Cassidy. And when Scott received this letter, he was stunned. Because the first letter that Jack wrote, he never even sent an appreciation. He was so involved in submitting his ideas, submitting his drawings, and then giving it up. Never remember to thank Jack. So he said, there is no reason Jack will have to write a second letter because I probably won't thank him. But because of Jack's letter, he started writing and drawing Again, and this is what he drew. Do you recognize this cartoon? What's Scott's name? Scott Adams. And he started drawing Dilbert. And 20 years ago, I started reading his comic strip. And many of people in, at the time I was working in Kodak, all our colleagues like his comic strip a lot and post it up. But without Jack Cassidy, there would be no Scott Adam, or no Dilbert at least. But because of Jack's encouraging words, Scott was changed, or this world was better because of him. So Paul said that I boasted to Titus about you. And then number 15, verse 15, and now you have received him with fear and trembling, and I I can have complete confidence in you. So these three changes, three transformation, from harassment to comfort, from sorrow to salvation, from injuring to receiving, certainly these transformation cannot be possible without God, but it was God through agent, through Titus, that Paul was in, 
experiencing harassment, and he experienced comfort. And through the Corinthians' attitude change, attitude towards sorrow, they change from sorrow to salvation. And from Paul's encouraging words, the Corinthians become injuring, change from injuring to receiving. And I pray that through this passage, we learn to be God's agents. We experience change, others too. But through us, we may experience God's transformation as well as bring transformation to others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We worship you and for your word. And Father, we pray that your word will be a lamp in our path and our guiding light in front of of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.